The title for this evening is Get Ready for a Wedding. Could say marriage, but I just wrote Get Ready for a Wedding. And I told you this morning, I, I got this one word when I was away a few days during the week there. And uh, Alison had brought a little tiny notepad and I, I wrote a few wee things down just as I was reading through the scriptures and studying through it while I was away and just wrote a few wee things down. And then yesterday morning, I went into my study about 7 a.m. and I wrote right through to, I don't know, about three or four last yesterday evening uh, just to try and get something down for this evening. So let's trust the Lord to bless his word to all of our hearts. Matthew 25, verse 1. The Lord Jesus is the speaker. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us off your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the sun of man cometh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for each and every person you've brought this evening. And we pray, Father, that you would bless thy word unto our hearts and glorify thy name this evening. For those who will watch live later or listen, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would reach each and every one of them. And even as it's already been prayed this evening, if there's one or some or someone here who has not yet made their calling and election sure, Lord, have not yet come to saving faith in your son, tonight we pray that they would be ready, yet get ready for the wedding, for the marriage of thy son, the bridegroom, when he comes. So glorify your name tonight, Lord. Bless all who are away. Lord, may they have a time of refreshment and uh, building up, Lord, and when they come back ready again to enter into the fray and the fight in the faith. So, Father, glorify your Son, we ask it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Get ready for a wedding. The Lord Jesus speaking here says that he is the bridegroom and that he will die, be buried, will rise again, will ascend into heaven, will be at the right hand of the majesty on high, and there... He will stay until the Father sends him again to gather up his own elect people. He is the bridegroom coming for a ready bride, a ready people. 
And so this parable is known as the parable of the ten virgins. And the striking feature of the parable is that five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Also that five that were wise have oil in their vessels and their lamps. And the foolish, they brought no oil with them at all or whatsoever. And when the bridegroom came, they were caught on. They were caught out and they were shut out of the marriage. The coming of the bridegroom, the wise, went into the marriage and were told and the door was shut. Verse 10 says, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. So the five wise were shut in with the bridegroom. The five wise were shut in with the Lord. And then in verse 11, it says, Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. The five wise were shut in, and the five foolish were shut out. Were shut out. And hence they were not ready for the wedding or for the marriage. The five foolish were not ready for the coming of the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who were ready went in to the marriage. And hence, get ready for a wedding. Get ready for a wedding. That Christ likens what will happen today when he returns. And he even brings us back to the book of Genesis. What will the nations be like? What will society be like? What will the world be like? What will our country and our kith and kin in our own land be like when Christ returns? Will you turn with me, please, to Genesis chapter 7? Genesis chapter 7. And I want you to look at something especially. The Lord tells Noah to build an ark, warns of a judgment to come, And there would be a flood when Methuselah dies. Methuselah, his name means when he dies, it will be sent. When he dies, it will be sent. And when Methuselah died, God sent the deluge. God sent the flood. And Noah living righteously means he keeps his generations of the Shemite line, not mixing nor mingling with others in the world. The world around him and those who were godless and ungodly and outside of the Shemitic line. It means that he was righteous in every way where God told him to stay, as it were, sanctified, separate and pure. Just how we are to even today, stay like this from those in the world and those who are ungodly and the ungodly things. And so Noah done this. And in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1, we read of the first person in the ark was not Noah, but God himself. He says, and the Lord said unto Noah, notice, he didn't say go into the ark. He said, 
Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For I have seen the righteous before me in this generation. And hence the Lord himself invites Noah and his family into the ark. Now you might say, what has this got to do with the marriage supper of the Lamb? I want to show you there's a pattern here of how things are and how things will be when Christ returns again. Notice here in Genesis chapter 7 and in verse 17. Notice what it says, And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. By the way, the term to bear up and to lift up, do you know what the word is there? NASA. It's where NASA, the space agency, takes their words for their name from, to lift up into, into space, to lift up, to reach up into heavens. Anyhow, the Lord says, notice, it says here, the flood was 40 days upon the earth and the waters increased and bare up the ark and it was lifted up above the earth. I want you to see here that as this is going up, it's being lifted up in the waters and then the ungodly are being washed away, as it were. They're in the judgment of the flood. But look at the verse before it. In verse 16, And they that went in, that is Noah, his sons and their wives, and they that went in, male and female of all flesh, speaking of the animals, as God had commanded him, it says, and the Lord, and you underline this, the Lord shut him in. The Lord shut him in. The sealing on the salvation A picture there that we are sealed when we are believers and saved by the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed unto the day of redemption. The Lord shut him in. Noah and his family were shut in and all the others were shut out. (laughs) Noah and his family were shut in. And all the others were shut out. It's just okay, don't worry. It's just fine. It's just all right. We're glad to have you here. Never mind. We're, we're glad that you just come out as the family. So don't worry about it, Paul. Notice here, shut in. The Lord shut them in. The Lord was with them in the ark, and the door was shut. And no matter how many or how hard the others would try to get in, when the flood would come, They could not enter in because the door was shut. The space of grace was over. Are you telling me in the days of Noah there was a space of grace? Yes, I am. And I'm going to prove it to you in a moment. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moves with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. And the Hebrew writer is telling us this in the New Testament, looking back at how the Lord had in grace moved upon the heart of Noah, told him how to be saved. Now take note of this, brothers and sisters and friends, that all the people of Noah's day would think of Noah as a crazy old fool, eccentric and even mad. 
building an ark, there's going to be a flood. The Lord says judgment is coming. They would laugh at him. Absolutely roaring, laughing at this man. What a crazy man he is, building this great big boat when there wasn't even any rain. When they didn't even know what rain would be like there. When they didn't even have rainfall. And there he's building an ark. What a madman. But listen, people think that of you and they think that of me on this day in which we're living in. How when we say there is a judgment coming that men and women must be born again of the Spirit and washed in the blood of the Lamb and trusting in Christ alone. And they think we're mad, they think we're crazy, that there's going to be some type of judgment and everlasting punishment. Brothers and sisters, they thought that of Noah while he built the ark. And that is until it started to rain. And it was too late. I trust there's none tonight will leave things too late, but rather you'll get ready for a wedding. Will you be shut in with the Lord? Saved. Shut in to the marriage feast. Or shut out. Or shut out. Listen to Peter. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 20. And they're speaking about those who would have mocked in the days of Noah. It says in 1 Peter 3 and verse 20, it says, which were sometimes disobedient. The, the idea sometimes isn't yours, sometimes and mine. It means they were in a continual sense of worse and worse and worse. In other words, they didn't stay on one stage, they got worse. It's like society today. They're getting progressively worse. We looked at the word the other week, progressive. Every time you hear progressive, Progressive of nature, progressive in politics, progressive in in society. You take warning of it. Because generally when it says progressive to do with man, it's digressive away from God. Which were sometimes disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing. Now take note of that. In the days when God said, Noah, build the ark, and here is the dimensions to build it. There's going to be a judgment. There's going to be a flood. In those days, there was a space of grace for those who would hear there was a judgment coming. And the space of grace was over when Methuselah died and the ark was finished in building, and the judgment came. For example, here it says, the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved. Again, Noah, his sons and their wives. The word here sometimes, disobedient, is the word apatheo. And it means not to allow oneself to be persuaded. Not to allow oneself to be persuaded. In other words, the men and the women of Noah's day would not be persuaded no matter what Noah said, no matter whether he's the preacher of righteousness or not, no matter why he lived his life right or not, no matter how much he warned them, they must get right with God. They must walk right. They must be right. They must do right. They must live right. They must trust 
in the Lord and do all his commandments and word. And they were impersuasable. Is there someone here you know it all? You can say, yes, I know it all about the gospel. I've heard of the saving grace of Christ. I've heard that his blood still cleanses from sin. I know that he died on the cross. And yes, in the form I believe it. Is there someone here like that tonight? Well, I can tell you, friend, if that's you tonight, maybe you've been in this tent once or maybe you've been here the first time. Maybe you've been here many times or somewhere else and you've heard it all. The idea here of being disobedient is apatheo, and we can also get the word apathy from. There's an apathetic heart in the people where they say, yes, we know, we've heard, we've been to Sunday school, we've done all of these things, we're, we're sick and tired of it all. And you will not persuade me. I have made my mind up. I will not yield myself to Christ. I will not bow the knee. I will not surrender my heart. I will not repent of my sin. I will not claim his blood as my own. I will not plead for mercy on the grace of God. I will not. It doesn't matter if we were to grab you by the lapels and look you eyeball to eyeball. You still refuse to bend the knee and to bow the head and to surrender the heart. Such were men and women in the days of Noah who were disobedient. Noah the preacher of righteousness. Showing a life to keep the line. This word apatheo. Not to allow oneself to be persuaded. It also means to disbelieve. Either willfully or perversely. And we are living in a land. We are living in a society. Especially in Ulster. And now the generation coming up. Or very few are going to church, going to children's meetings. That's why our children's meetings are so important, brothers and sisters. That's why it's so important. We rejoice in the amount of children we have coming to the meetings. And the children that we have tonight here, we love to see us, every one of them. Every single one. And I know you might make a sound and you might make a wrong detour around and it's fine. I'd rather you be here in the house of God tonight than sitting at home. We need to be bringing up our children in the ways of the Lord. Take note here, brothers and sisters. Men and women in Ulster, brought up under the, at my generation and even younger, brought up even, as it were, and we had no religion in the home and such. Oh, we were Presbyterian and Protestants. We were good, loyal Ulster men, you know, in our home. We were all of us. But we were lost and undone and unsaved. No Christ in the life, no Christ in the home. We knew nothing of salvation. We were the people, oh, we were the men and the women of Ulster in my home. But I can tell you, brothers and sisters, we were lost. But there was something in you that you were sent to the Sunday school. Something placed in you, you were sent to children's meetings. And willfully, even perversely, Ulster is disobeying the call of God back to himself. I'm going to say it again. Either willfully or perversely, Ulster 
is disobedient and denying the very call of God back, or bolstered back to himself. The disbelief in the cross our land and our nation, this disobedient people, God is saying, repent, Ulster, for you know better. For you know better. We also look at our society and how it is falling greater from the height of spirituality it had in knowing the gospel of saving grace in Christ. It's falling a great height. And how has it fallen a great height? It's because men behind the pulpits are stopping preaching the blood in the book. Ashamed and afraid to preach Christ and him crucified in case some are offended at what he might say and stand up against the wokeism and the liberalism of our society. Perversely, the people are turning. And the higher they were, as it were, as the Lord Jesus says, woe unto you, Capernaum. In other words, Capernaum, the headquarters of the Lord Jesus Christ's ministry. You've seen all the things of heaven. You've seen the miracles. You heard the preaching of the kingdom. You knew of the salvation, he's saying. Just like Ulster did. Just like our little lamb did. And while the south was in the bondage and darkness of Romanism, Ulster had a light shining in the gospel of Christ. And now Ulster has lost it and moved away from Christ. Fallen even greater. The Lord says, woe unto you, Capernaum, he says. He says, your damnation will be brought down to hell. And brothers and sisters, here is the thing. This perverse fall, Ulster has become a perverse nation, a perverse people, willfully wandering and walking away like lost sheep away from God. Are you lost tonight? Are you lost tonight? This word, apatheo, for disobedient, John chapter 3 and verse 36, the Lord Jesus, or pardon me, John, speaking after, speaking about the Lord Jesus and Nicodemus. John mentions this, and he says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not, it's the same word, apatheo, he that believeth not shall not see life, notice, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. And just as Noah was building the ark and Methuselah was coming up to 969 years of age when he died. And just as this space of grace was given, the long suffering of God was holding back from releasing the flood, releasing the deluge. And the Lord Jesus said that when he comes back, that these nations of ours will be just like the days of Noah. Notice here, the grace of God held back the judgment flood of God. And we're still, thank God, on a day of grace. We're still, thank God, on a day when we can still call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And thank God that he ever has an open ear to hear the cry of the heart that will surrender to him. Will you surrender your heart tonight? Will you surrender your head tonight? Will you come in faith tonight, birthed by the Spirit of God in your heart, and 
give God the glory for Christ's sake tonight. Notice here, I want to just labor just a few more minutes on this word. In Isaiah 65 and verse 2, Isaiah 65 and verse 2, this word apatheo is a Greek word. The, the, the Septuagint uh, is the Old Testament. Basically, it's the Old Testament in Greek. So it will correspond with the, the, the New Testament words will be the same. Isaiah 65 and verse 2. Listen to what the Lord says. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good, after their own thoughts. Notice that. Notice that. Let me read it again. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people. The word rebellious in the in the Greek text, I know it's, it'll be written in Hebrew here, but the Greek Septuagint text says it's the same word for disobedient that Peter uses, apatheo. And the Lord says, I have. He comes to Israel and he comes and he says, I've stretched out my hands. And it's not just all day for one day. It means every day, all day, I'm saying, will you come to me? Every day, all day. I'm saying, will you turn to me? Every day, all day, I'm coming to a rebellious, apatheo people, a people who are willfully and even perversely turning away from me. I'm stretching out my hands. Will you take it? Will you take his hand tonight? Will you take his hand tonight? He says, I'm stretching it out. I'm stressing it out to those rebellious people in Ulster. This little spot of glory of the gospel in Europe. With preachers that used to be in every church thundering out the word of God. Well, brothers and sisters, if you and I were to think back how, how we could get depressed and how things have Changed even in the last 10 years, let alone 20 years, 30 years. You listen, friend. Salvation is free, but if you realize the judgment was to come, and just like Noah was preaching and building that ark, if you knew when the judgment was coming and you don't know, you would be fighting to get on that ark like the third monkey. I'm telling you, you'd be fighting and fighting trying to get on it. When we look at this, the Lord says, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, uh, an apatheo, uh, 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 ones who, it means who disbelieve either willfully, perversely, who will not be persuaded. He says, which walketh in a way that was not good. This is God saying this. It's not good. After their own, their own thoughts. Hey, look around you. Come on, Christian. Pause. Put the brakes on in your thoughts going around your head. Uh, draw, draw close to me in attention for a moment and put on the brakes and think about this. How, how the, 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 very, the very God of self, the very God of self prevails throughout 
our young people, prevails throughout the teenagers, it prevails throughout society, the God of self and pride. My will, my ways, my thoughts, my lusts, my wants, my doings, whatever I want. What about me? It's about the God of self. It's called idolatry. It's called idolatry. God says they're after their own thoughts. It's what I think. You know, I think a baby in the womb is just a blob. You know, I think a, a baby in the womb is even up the birth. Well, it's all right to take its life then. And once it passes uh, the birth canal, then it's not all right. That's my thinking. I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's coming to the point now where it's, well, it's all right for men to lie with men and women with women and it's all right to do whatever and then the morality starts to fall. It's my thinking. It's my ways and my wants and my lusts and my loves. It's my thinking. Then it goes from there and it gets worse. It goes down the line until it's coming to... to, to, to Minor attraction. People have a minor attraction to people. It's coming, brothers and sisters. You may think I'm going overboard here. It's happening. And it's coming out where it will be okay in society and normalized. It will never be normal. But they're going after their own thoughts. Verse 3 of Isaiah 65 says, A people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face. Can you imagine God saying this? To Ulster tonight, Senate to Scotland tonight, to England and Wales and Republic of Ireland, to America, to Canada. Can you imagine God saying this to us? Listen to Judges 7 and 17 and 6, also in Judges 21 and 25. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. In other words, they, 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 they eventually called for a king which was not of God. God was the king. A theonomy was to be. A theocracy of God as king. But they wanted a man to be like the other nations, to be like everybody else. And hence the king was to show the authority of the kingdom. The word of God was to come to the king and the king was to execute it in the nation. And when I look at what we're left with in Britain tonight, I can't see a king who's executing the word of God. who's standing for the things of the kingdom of God. And here's where it leads to. And you tell me if this is not true about our people tonight. In those days was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You see, when there's no godly authority and leadership in God's kingdom, you know what happens? Everybody does everything they want to do. 
In Proverbs 14 and 12, and in 16 and 25, it says, In those days there was no, pardon me, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now in Luke 17, verses 26 and 27, listen to what the Lord Jesus says. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. He says, as it was then, when I return, that's what it will be like. We think of our reading tonight in Matthew 25. Are you ready for a wedding? Notice here, the Lord Jesus says, just like it was, they did eat, they drank, they married ways, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. What he's saying is society just got on with being society. God, who needs God? God, no such thing as God. You know, and, and they try and insult, they try and, if you want, offend the Christian, and that's okay. You can offend Nobody but the Christian, you can offend them. You can't offend Islam. You're not allowed to sing about Muhammad. But you can offend the Christian. Notice this. Society is saying there is no God. We don't need God. We'll get on with our lives, living it up, doing what we want, in our own thoughts and our own ways. And know all the time is saying, judgment's coming. See this big boat here? This is a sign. This is a sign. This is a sign. Uh, if you're not in this, if you're not right, and you don't get in this, you're going to be lost. You're going to be lost. And they laughed the scorn. They would have turned around and thought he was crazy until it started to rain. And they think we're crazy. But one day, the want of sense for another word is going to start raining. It's going to start raining. Not that God will flood the earth, but that the Lord is coming. Brothers and sisters, in Genesis 6 and 5, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Notice, always wickedness in their hearts. Always continually wicked. And Genesis 6 verses 11 and 12 says, The earth was also corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. Isn't that what it's like? And the word here, corrupt, is the word shakat. You know what it means? To go into ruin, to decay, to be marred, to be spoiled. Listen, to be morally perverted. The earth has become Sometimes the word earth, now you have to watch in the Hebrew because it can be the word, the word Eretz, which can mean a parcel of land or the land of the Holy Land or the surrounding area land, or it can mean the whole world. But nevertheless, all of it has become morally perverted. It's become spoiled and ruined. It's gone into decay. And what they're doing is they're trying now to do all of these green issues to try and make us go down this line. It's another case of control. The earth was also corrupt 
before God and the earth was filled with violence. Would you say violence? violence. See this word violence, it's a strange word. It's a word Hamas. Sounds like Hamas, the terrorist group, but Hamas. And it means to be cruel, to show cruelty, to do wrong, to show an injustice. We're seeing it, aren't we? Injustice everywhere. It gives the idea to have unjust gain. Sure, we've seen that. We've seen unjust gains all over the place. We've seen unjust gains throughout the whole so-called COVID scandemic, I mean pandemic. Haven't we? The gains of big pharma. And I could go on with it. And these are the days of the violence, it says. This was violence to the people. God sees us as violence. They violated your rights. They tried to violate your body. To violate your will. To violate how you are in the light of these things as a believer. To show violence onto you. And it's not done yet. It says, for all flesh had corrupted its ways. Notice. Verse 12, and God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Now, that was the state then. I think we've seen it mirrors the state today. Now, and so in Genesis 7 and 16 it says, and the Lord shut him in. The Lord shut him in. And the word shut there means to close up that there be no opening. Let me give you an example of this. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21, we're told that God takes Adam and opens up his side. He operates on him and closes up, takes the rib or the side from Adam and he closes him up again. As if there's no cut. Nowadays you're left with a big scar. God would leave no scar. Closes him up. It means he was completely closed up. There was no opening. In other words, that which was in his body was in his body. And that which was outside his body was outside his body. It's the same here. It's the exact same word. In the Greek Septuagint, it's the word kleo. And it means to close up that there's no going out nor coming in. That which is in is in. And that which is out is out. Within the body and without the body. And brothers and sisters, when we see this, the word here for shut is also shager. And it means exactly the same in the Hebrew and the Greek. It means God shuts something and none other can open it. And when the bridegroom comes and those with no oil in their vessels or bring no oil with them and they're out of oil and behold at midnight a, a, a cry is made. Behold the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And those who had oil in their vessels and their lamps, the wise virgins, they were ready, it says. They were ready. And they that were ready went into the marriage and the door was shut. That which was in was in. And that which was out was out. Now are you in or are you out? In Christ or out of Christ. There's no half measures. There's no sitting on the fence. You know the devil owns the fence anyway. 
Jesus says, if you're not for me, you're against me. So, it says in Matthew 25, verse 11 and 12, afterwards came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, this is terrible. I know you not. I know you not. See the word no, K-N-O-W. Will you say no? no? Now there's a little word there. It's a wee short word. You know what the word is? I do. I do. Will you say I do? And that little word I do means a lot. Let me give you an example. This word is used in various ways here, but it's used to say, Jesus was saying, you stand in no relation to me. You stand in no relation to me. But I was with the five wives. It's just a run out of oil. No, you see, you weren't ready. You just, you know, there are many people who put on the Christian show and have the religious service and it could, be, it could be the religious, whether it's a Protestant religion, Catholic religion, and they put on a religious service thinking they're ready, but there's no oil. Oil is the Holy Ghost. There's no Holy Ghost. And Paul says, if any man have not the Spirit of God, then he's none of Christ's. He's none of Christ. Notice here, idol means... That Jesus was more or less saying, you stand in no relation to me. It gives the idea of having a fullness of knowledge. It's the little word that gives the idea of how a husband knows his wife. And the wife knows the husband when they come together as one. Intimacy and fellowship. And what he's saying is, I don't know you in the sense of intimacy. I have had no intimacy with you. I have had no fellowship with you. You have never come to me and seen what I have done for you, how I died for you, shed my blood for you. You have no idea and I have no idea of you. You and I are not one together in the Spirit. You have no oil, you see. It's the Holy Ghost that unites us under the blood. And the Holy Ghost in us causes us to live. Notice, let me give you a little idea before I round this up and close it. In John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to the Jews. Listen to what he says. And I'm just going to pick this out for quickness, just for time. He says to them, yet ye have not known him. Speaking of the Father, God the Father. He says, yet ye have not known him. See the word known him. The word known there is a different word. It's the word gnosko. And this is important because why it's important is because in the tense that Jesus says this in makes all the difference to this one verse and what he means in the context of it. Yet ye have not known him, Gnosko, and it means you haven't even begun to know God who you say you know. You haven't even begun to know him. There's no progress in your knowledge of the things of God and the person of God. That's what Jesus is saying to the Jews. But we're religious and we're Jews and we do all of these things and we have the sacrifice. And Jesus says, you don't know him. 
That's what he's saying to them here. You have never known him. You haven't begun to know him. You know why? Because Jesus came down that you and I could know him. When we look at God, Jesus, you look at God. Now he says, you have not known him, Gnosko, begun to know him, even progressed in knowledge of him. Now notice what he says, but I know him. The son is saying, I have perfect purity of intimacy with the father. I and the Father are one, he says. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. It is the Father in me. He doeth the works. That's how close of a unity and oneness we are. He says, and I know the Father. See the difference? When you're saved in the Holy Ghost, you're one with God. He lives in you. This word no, and I'm going to close this here. In 1 Samuel 2, verse 12, I do, uh, yada, it is in the Hebrew, but I do in the Greek. Listen to what it says. It says in 1 Samuel 2 and 12, Now the sons of Eli, he was the, the high priest in, in, in Israel, were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. They didn't even begin to have any knowledge of him. Same word. The same tense. And of course, they were wicked, as we know. And hence, the English word ready, R-E-A-D-Y, in the King James Bible, it's used 100 times in 99 verses. The first time it's used is in Genesis 18 and 6, when the three visitors come to Abraham and Sarah to say she will conceive. And of course, from there come, of course, the Hebraic Israelitish people. And Abraham hastened into the tent on the sir and says, Make ready quickly three measures of meal, knead it and keep cake, make cakes upon the hearth. And then we're told, the paraphrase, he runs to pick or select an animal that it may be slain and that it may be skinned and that it may be butchered up. And, and they would take it and they would roast it. And it would take a long time. It's not like you and I, let's run down to the shop and get a face supper here. This took a long time. But he says, if you make the cakes, he says, get ready quick. Get ready quick. You know who's outside? Jesus. Outside the tent door, Jesus and two angels. Get ready quick. It's the Lord. Make the cakes. Notice it speaks of break bread with him quickly. Take the cakes and break the bread with him. Have fellowship and communion with him. The first time the word ready is made, it's there. Get ready for the meeting of the Lord. Get ready to feast with him. I'm going to say this in close. I said that the last time, didn't I? I'm going to say this in close. In Exodus 19, verse 10 and 12, just briefly, 10 to, from 10 to 12, Israel is at the foot of the mount. Moses is about to be in a wedding officiator and Israel are about, ancient Israel are about to marry Jehovah. And Exodus 19 and verse 10, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them, notice, wash their clothes. This is a foreshadowing of us in the new covenant. A foreshadowing of the righteousness of Christ. Sanctified people unto God. 
And let them wash their clothes. And notice, make ready against the third day. The third day was the consummation of the marriage when God would come down upon the mount. Consummation of the marriage between God and ancient Israel. Take note of this. Be ready against the third day. And will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount, nor touch the border of it. Whosoever touches it, the mount shall be surely put to death. In other words, God says, I'm going to marry you, but you're going to have still a distance, a reverence, and a respect to me. Now, in the New Covenant, we see this mentioned, and the pastor mentioned it this morning. I'm just going to read it. In Revelation 19 and 7, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor unto him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. His wife hath made herself ready. Notice, his wife hath made herself ready. It's hearkening back to Israel, the wife. In Exodus 19. Notice, clean garments, the righteousness of Christ. Verse 8, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These things, these are the true sayings of God. So brothers and sisters, friends tonight, in Psalm 86 and 5, listen to what it says. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. God's good. And he's ready to forgive. You might have a past behind you that has a list like a pull-down roller blind. You may have it all written as if it's longer than the length of your arms and your two arms. You may have all sorts of things in your life. You may have even have taken somebody else's life, but in repentance before God, God is good and he's always ready to forgive. He's a good God, isn't he? He's a blessed God. How does he forgive? Through the person of his son and the blood of his cross. He is ready to forgive. He's plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon his name. Brothers and sisters, when I say this, would you shout praise the Lord? He is ready to forgive you. Shout it again, would you? He's ready to forgive you. Praise Praise his name. Thank God. I'm born again. And there's really been a change in me. Sing it for me, Billy, will you? Come on. Will you sing it for me? I'll help you, maybe. Maybe you're not saved tonight. The door was shut. What if the door's shut on you? Come on up, group, and help us.